0: Blob Talk Radio Woo!
1: of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Today is May 8th. I believe that's right, yeah. May 8th, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. May 8th, 2016. Here we are. NBA playoffs going on tonight. We're going to recap some of the games that's taken place over this past week. The Hawks and Cavaliers right now, Cavs up 3-0. Just about to sweep this series up 3 right now with under a minute left in this game. We will keep you updated on that. Huge game tonight. San Antonio on the road at OKC. And anybody with a brain understands OKC has to win this game tonight. You don't want to go back to San Antonio down 3-1. But as we'll discuss later, OKC had their chance in game three. You don't lose game three coming back home after after stealing one on the road. So, I think this series may be over quicker than people think. Uh, San Antonio just looks like the better team. We'll talk about that later. Golden State finally dropped the game on the road without Curry. Can they win a game on the road in Portland without it? Another thing we'll discuss in the college football world, Ole Miss in some deep trouble, as you all know. We're going to discuss the possible probation that's heading their way. Not only that in college football, but New stories um around the Jerry Sandusky Joe Paterno tenure at Penn State, what's happened. I mean, I'm so sick right now and I, I want people to call in and give their opinion on this because I'm gonna say something tonight that you won't hear on E S P N you won't you won't hear talked about on Fox or C B S. You're gonna hear it right here on Block Talk Radio, we in sports talk. So we 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 talk the truth here. We can we can talk the truth. We're not going to slander anybody. We're not going to talk stuff that we, we're we not sure about. But we're going to give you the honest truth of what we think is going to happen. And right now, Atlanta down one with 12 seconds left. Looks like they're out of timeout, so they've got to roll it. eight seconds left. I don't know what they're waiting on, but straight to the goal. Gets in a jump ball situation with LeBron James with 2.8 seconds wow, 199 Cleveland right now. It doesn't look like this kid can win a jump ball over LeBron James. He's about a foot taller, but just hesitant, not a very aggressive move to the goal. He, he went to the goal. He stopped. He turned. And once you turn, it, it's, a, it's a clear path for a jump ball or a turnover. So bad decision by Atlanta. Probably pissed away one of their timeouts earlier in the game that they wish they'd have had back to set up a play. But 2.8 seconds right now, We'll go live right here into Atlanta, since we are in Atlanta. Jump ball situation, 2.8 seconds. Doesn't look good for the Hawks right now. But anything can happen in the NBA, right? But I'm I'm guessing Cleveland's going to end up winning this series four games to none. And I don't know if they're going to lose a game in these playoffs until they reach the finals. This Cleveland team has just really impressed me, during the playoffs, a whole new caliber team. Here's the jump ball. Actually, it's it's knocked out by the three-pointer by Atlanta. No good. Ball game is over. He should have let it go out of – went out of bounds right there. But Cleveland with a 4-0 sweep of the Atlanta Hawks, and one of our topics tonight is Atlanta sports, Georgia sports, the most disappointing teams you'll ever see, and and whether it be baseball, football, basketball – just such a disappointing sports city. I live in Atlanta right now, and, and and I'm from Alabama originally, but I'm not. I'm just so glad that my teams are not one of these teams. Oh, just watching them just pains me. Four O sweep. You can't even win one game in the playoffs. And I, I Cleveland's good. Don't get me wrong. They're playing a lot better than, but what a what a terrible terrible game by the, by the Hawks. It's every game they played besides game two, they, they blew leads in. They had it in the second half and they just choked it away every game. Game two, nothing you can do. They just shot the lights out. Cleveland with 18 threes, but that's one thing we're going to discuss tonight. Looking forward in the future, this Cleveland team looks so much different than last year's finals team that lost in six games to Golden State. And they look different than the regular season. LeBron, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, when you have Irving back, you have Kevin Love, you have some of these bench players that are stepping up, knocking out threes. It's going to be hard to beat Cleveland, and, and one of the reasons is because they play defense. Cleveland is actually one of those teams that actually can defend, and LeBron James looks like a, a man on a mission right now. He's not taking over games. He's not... He, he's not, he's trying to get other people involved and when he needs to, he'll take it over. But now this team is kind of aged a little bit, a little banged up, maybe a little bit. They get to sit here and wait on the, on the Toronto Raptors, the Miami heat, which just went to game three and Toronto took it to go up two to one. I'm looking at a seven game series in that one. So there's four more games that I think the Cavs are going to get to rest before they play Miami or Toronto. And they neither one of those teams can come close to LeBron James and his Cleveland team. So look for another sweep possibly in that series. You know, America wants to see Miami versus the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I think Toronto is just a little better. Neither one of them are great. Both of them are pretty good. Um, But none of them can match up to to Cleveland right now. Cleveland actually has a shot to, to win the whole thing that's how good Cleveland is and when they when they when they're hot you you can't beat them and they've been hot for eight games in a row they're eight-0 in the playoffs they just look like a totally different team they go on the road they take care of business they have that they they have that fourth period first they go on and they they'll be down by eight points and all of a sudden they're up 10 and it's just so hard the explosiveness of this team and and when you're shooting three pointers away they're shooting three pointers gonna be very, very hard to beat a team like this. And remember, this team, this is the same team minus Love and Irving that took Golden State to six games last year. They lost, but it was a six game series. Granted, I think Golden State's a little better than last year, but Cleveland is ten times better. They have they have the game to, to be able to beat Golden State. They can match them three for three. Do they have a three pointer three point shooter better than Curry? No, but as a team, they can shoot with with Golden State, and it, this could get interesting, but I'm still from the school of thought State wins a championship this year. I think San Antonio is going to beat them. I just think San Antonio, if they can just prevent going seven games and, and these series dragging out, just say, for instance, if they can just win the next two and, and put OKC out of the playoffs and have a have a maybe a day or two to rest. They don't need seven game series; it's going to wear them down. But the less games they play, the better off they are. And uh, I'm wondering where my where my boys are tonight. Cuervo's supposed to join us. Jonathan's supposed to join us. And we're we're going to have some fun tonight. And we are going to talk about Penn State tonight and see what's going on there, what people's thoughts are. But you know, it's just you can't tell me guys that. Joe Paterno didn't know what was going on. And and, and my, my thoughts are if, if you knew what was going on and you didn't do anything about it, could it possibly be that you were in on it? I mean that that's what I look at. What 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 reason would Joe Paterno have
2: to keep
1: Sandusky, to not report it, to try to get people to drop charges? And it's because maybe, possibly, and nobody's ever said this. What if Joe Paterno was in on it as well? And I heard the argument. Well, his kids were around Sandusky's and pools. Well, I'm sure they had an agreement. If they, if it was like that, hey, you leave mine alone, I'll leave yours alone. But something just doesn't add up here. I hate the man. is is passed away, and he can't he can't say anything. He can't defend anything coming out. But this is. Uh, This is not looking good for Penn State or or just for the world in general, for the the United States, for college football, whatever it is. The worst thing you can do is hurt a child, and Penn State did it It's looking back since the early 70s. And it's just something we're going to talk about tonight. But first, we're going to talk some NBA basketball. Johnson, I mean, disappointing Hawks, disappointing Atlanta teams get swept, and, and here we are, Cleveland takes care of Atlanta and four. They get the broom out, and they head back to Cleveland. Bad news for Toronto or
3: Miami? Uh, It's bad news for both of them, especially since both those teams are looking at injuries right now. Uh, Cleveland gets to rest up a little bit. They looked really good against Atlanta. Uh, And let's be honest, if you expected anything different in that series, you you were hoping against hope. Uh, Just – Hey, you know, Cleveland! I honestly think they're the best team in the East, and you know we've been talking about it all year. It's, for them, it was just making sure they get to, to the you know get to the playoffs healthy. Uh, you know, it's all about the marathon for them. So I mean, great I mean, ones, What about Atlanta the
1: quick. what about what about the difference in Cleveland's regular season team in this one? I mean, I've never seen Cleveland shoot threes like this. I mean, they're they're at a level of Golden State where they can match Golden State three for three. And it's a team effort. This is not just one or two guys. This is an entire team. Kevin Love, does he ever miss a three-pointer? I mean, it's,
3: it's just like, where did <laughs> he
1: come from? I mean, it's like last year they didn't have Kevin Love. They didn't have Irving. Now they have these guys. And the role players for Cleveland, I think Cleveland has a legitimate shot to win the NBA championship this year if they if they keep it up. I mean, am I crazy for saying that?
3: I uh, know. I mean, of course, there's always a chance that they could um, – in the whole shebang i I think they're a, they're a, they're a very good team, you're right. We did not see uh Kyrie or Kevin LaF last year, so we don't really have a true judge of how good that team could have been. uh we saw them take Golden State to six without those guys uh, you yeah. know looking at it I mean this is the Kevin Love we saw in Minnesota, and this is what we were waiting for. It was the Kevin Love in Minnesota that shot threes that could post you know could sit there. At the, at the line and just drill them all day. This is what they bought. This is what they traded for. So, that you know, I, I'm very um, – I'm, I'm not surprised, if you will, that this is what we're getting, but it is uh, definitely a benefit that I think a lot of people have given up on.
1: You think the Heat will lose on purpose so they don't have to go to Cleveland? <laughs>
3: oh, no so,
1: um,
3: I, I mean and- – mm.
1: And, and and remind their fans uh, you know. I mean, because look, Miami's a, a decent little team. Uh, Cleveland will sweep them too. I think Atlanta's probably a little better than Miami, to be honest with you. I mean, if you, I mean, Atlanta didn't play terrible in this series, Jonathan. I mean, that game two. Besides that, Cleveland shot the lights out. Atlanta's been competitive in three out of those four games, and it's just it's the LeBron factor. I mean, they don't have the stars able to carry them like Cleveland, you know, I mean, they don't have that star, that go-to player like LeBron. And, uh, man, if you're a, if you're a Cleveland fan right now, you're excited. If you're Atlanta fan right now, guess what? It's back to work tomorrow. Nothing changes. Nobody's going to talk about it anymore. The media here will blow smoke up every Atlanta person's butt, tell them how great they are. It's okay to be a loser. It's okay because they're used to it. And, um, What th- I mean, it, I mean that, that, that's a difference, isn't it? I mean, the depth of the bench, that's one, but they don't have that superstar like Cleveland has.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, Atlanta doesn't really have a true go-to score that can uh, shoot from everywhere. Now, I mean, somebody like Dennis Schroeder could have become that guy. Yeah, I, you know, he definitely has potential. Uh, losing to Mario Carroll is obviously huge, and it's, it's one of those things where Joe Johnson, you know, a, a, as much as it seemed like he was such a burden on the team, he would have been really good for them uh, in this series, at least Joe Johnson a couple of years ago, not Joe Johnson now, who is a show of himself. So I, I think, you know, Atlanta's really just a, a score away from from being a very good, very competitive team. And they're going to have the cap space this year to be able to go out and try and acquire somebody. You know, they, they definitely need somebody to pair with Millsap. Uh, and and Horford and Schroeder.
1: Yeah, true. Through that, through that. San Antonio <laughs> tonight, Jonathan. I think I'm gonna be eating a McDonald's quarter pound cheeseburger tonight during the show. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm starving, and I just got the bag brought to me. So when you're talking, I'll be chewing. But
0: San Antonio <laughs> goes
1: goes to Oklahoma City tonight, up two one. <laughs> I was very disappointed with OKC's performance in game three. You still won on the road in San Antonio in game two and you lose. You can't lose that game three, can you, Jonathan? You just can't give up home court advantage that easy and I think San Antonio won the series the other night.
3: Yeah, I I know there was a lot of people uh, who were trying to get on the OKC bandwagon and good on you for trying, but it it wasn't going to happen, guys. Let's Let's be honest. Um, San Antonio is just too good of a team. You know, after Game Two, everybody you know thought you know oh, blood in the water. Wrong. You know, this San Antonio team—they're built. You know, they can lose a game or two, and they're not gonna—they're not gonna sweat. And that's one of the best things about them is that they're so composed, and they're—they're they're led by veterans who have been there and they've won multiple titles. I mean, Tim Duncan has has won numerous titles. You know, for him to lose eight, you know one game in a series is nothing. You know, he's been in six- to seven-game series numerous times. So I, I honestly think that this series is over. Uh, it has been over. I thought it was over when it started. Um, San Antonio is a very good team. I think they're a better team than OKC. OKC, I, I don't, they really are going to have to not only hard sell Durant on that this team's going to get better, but they actually have to make this team better. Because it's kind of been, all right, we have Kevin, Russell, Ibaka, and then we'll figure everything else out. Well, they obviously need a, they need something. They need more bench. They need something else. Because this is not working. It's been year after year where this is not working.
1: Yeah, Sonny Clark, you know, he had OKC winning it all. And one of my concerns was just that depth of the team, the bench. But, I mean, OKC, are they talented enough to get hot in one of series? Yeah. They could beat San Antonio. Will they? No. And I think people are going to fall trap tonight, picking OKC at home because they are got to win one out of two there. But I think San Antonio could win tonight, and if they do, Game Five's over. OKC's done, and then San Antonio's going to get a, maybe a day or two to rest. I don't know, depending on how Golden State Portland does. But Durant, this this OKC team, they seem soft to me, Jonathan. They just don't seem tough like San Antonio.
3: I could agree with that. I do think there is some uh, that that debate of whether they're not only mentally tough, but physically, it's kind of like the Clippers, where it's it's a lot of loud mouth and one of the tough guys. And I hate to say things like this, but when push when push comes to shove, they tend to find the nearest corner and hang out. So uh, I, you know, as as talented as Durant Westbrook are, you know, if I block if Ibaka is not a dominant physical presence in the paint. They're, they're going to struggle, and they've been trying to move him outside and get him, you know, shooting threes and, and taking the long-range twos. And I think you need to leave him in the middle and let him be a defensive presence. Either that or go get somebody who will be. cancer won't be. And now you know, everybody looks at Canner and says, you know, he might have been drafted too high. Things that, well, here's the thing with Enos cancer He's still growing. And we, we, everybody forgets that he essentially took a year off because he couldn't play for Kentucky because the NCAA with their stupid rules. So, Tanner's still growing and maturing as a player. So, do I think he can have a good, long career? Yes, but I don't think he's a big physical defensive center. So, they really need to leave Ivaka in there for the defense and for the physicality, or they need to go find somebody to do that for them. I mean, one of the guys who was great at doing that was uh, Maurice Evans. who a lot of people don't remember all too well, but a lot of players do because he was one of the most hated guys in the league because he just played hard. He pulled down 15 rebounds, scored two points, and commit six fouls. And four of those fouls are going to be hard fouls, and that's what OKC needs is a guy like that. Could you imagine if
1: Tanner had played at Kentucky? You just hand him that national championship.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I I think the NCAA kind of stole one from them uh, with Tanner not being able to play there. You know, it, it, he's he's really really progressed well this year. Uh, it's it's been fun watching him play because you see him getting better. And uh, he was definitely a piece that I feel like OKC needed. And at this point, though, he might be better served coming off the bench for them and providing them offense there than kind of playing a lot of these minutes with Durant Westbrook. And I I think that uh, that is something that Billy Donovan, of course, in his first year as a head coach in the NBA, is starting to find out that your best five guys can't always play together like in college.
0: Yeah, that's when you're, when you're
1: picking this series. You should have picked it on coaches sometimes. You look, is Billy Donovan capable of beating Popovich? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Billy Donovan, Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. Not, not a chance, man. I mean, not a chance. But I'm disappointed in Ibaka. I'm disappointed in Westbrook. I just, how that guy just, the ball hog. I think Durant's out after this year. I think he leaves OKC. What do you think?
3: I'm intrigued to see what Durant does because obviously there's the rumors he could go to L.A., he can go to Washington, he can go to Boston. You know, there's there's all these teams that he he has been linked to at some point in, in, in the past month or you know a couple months actually since last offseason. So I, I think obviously there's uh, there's questions there. I'm not sure if he's going to leave because I think Kevin likes what he has there. Uh, and, and, you know, why would you blame him? He He's the face of a franchise. I know Westbrook takes that vocal leadership role, and he likes to control the ball, and, and honestly, Westbrook would probably be better as a, as a two-guard uh, than a point guard, uh, just like Dwayne Wade. You know, Wade was, you know, that everybody, you know, oh, he's an undersized uh, two-guard. He's not a great facilitator. And Westbrook, you know, obviously he has his triple-doubles, but he's not necessarily a great facilitator. So I think they need to let Cameron play, Cameron Payne play the point. Have Russell at two. Have have Kevin play in the three with Ibaka and Cantor, You have a pretty good lineup. But then the problem because you look at your bench, you go, well, it's Dion Waiters and who? Kyle Singler. So you know there's there's multiple issues here that need to be addressed with this team before they can compete. You know the one year they made the finals, James Harden led their second unit. Yeah, you know, and that, that right there says a lot because of how good James Harden is offensively, and he was leading their second unit when they made the finals. Did he no-show that year? Yeah, of course. You know, we all remember that. But still, he led that bench, and they don't have anybody to lead the bench that was a, that has that potential that he does.
1: Yeah, you don't have a bench, you can't win a championship. And, and you, that's why I like Cleveland a little bit, watching them play, Jonathan. That bench, I mean, they come in there, they spread it out, and they hit the three. They give some valuable rest and to the starters, and they're able to produce. I mean, OKC, you, you take Durant and Westbrook out of the lineup, who's who's the go-to guy to score? I mean, who, who are they going to lean on? They don't have anybody, and that's what what kills them against a team like San Antonio. With the with the wisdom that those players have, they may be a little older, but they're wise, they're deep, and they're not going to let two people beat them,
3: are they? No, I mean, you you saw how uh, they played them, and essentially it was, all right, so, you know, we can shut down one or the other, we can shut down four, leave one, and San Antonio says, well, screw it. You know, we're just going to play defense and see if anybody can get hot against us. We're going to force them to shoot. We're not going to let them get the easy shot. You know, San Antonio does a great job of switching on defense, and it's a defense that gave uh, Golden State fits this year. You know, we we watched that a couple times where they started switching on them, and, and it just threw Golden State's offense out of whack. So, I think San Antonio defensively is, at this point, not a good match for OKC. Now, maybe next year when Parker and Duncan and Ginobili, you know, the chances of all three of them retiring, there's a chance. But we have to remember, San Antonio is a B-second to stay in the long term as long as Pop's there.
1: Yeah. and I don't. I, Popovich, he may retire, too. He may just say, you know what, all my team's leaving. I'm leaving, too. I don't blame him. But um, let's move on to the to the east with Toronto and Miami. Miami, man, they screwed up yesterday, Jonathan, letting that one get away and, and losing to Toronto. They lost home court advantage again. They had it after winning game one. Uh, Toronto won game two. I thought Miami would come and take care of business in game three and right that they lost. Is that the game that, that decided the series, really? Did game three decide – Toronto and Miami. I, I don't know if Miami can come back from this mentally. We'll see. I think not having Bosch in that lineup. I mean, they're a pretty good team, but I think Toronto is starting to get hot. That's the team that that, that I was expecting to show up. And I know Cuervo had Indiana beating them, but I expect Toronto to be there against Cleveland in the finals. Do you see any way Miami comes back and, and takes this series? If, if so, how?
3: Well, if Miami come back and take you – know, the, the reason why Miami went into a funk yesterday was because, you know, Whiteside got knocked out of the game. He has an NCL sprain day-to-day. That's a huge injury because without him, they're uh, they're very vulnerable in the paint. So, they need Whiteside to come back. You know, if he comes back, I think they have a shot. You know, Miami also has this little cloud hanging over him, made Chris Bosch because he wants to come back and play, and the team's like, no. You know, we, we've made it this far without you. We want to see what we can do. You know, and not for nothing, but your injury was kind of serious, you know, life threatening, could have died. You know, let, let's, we're trying to give you as much time as possible to make sure, you know, you'll, you'll live past, you know, next month. You know, the last <laughs> thing we're going to do now is try to experiment getting you back into the lineup now. So the boss just needs to sit back. Him and his wife need to go ahead and just cool it right now. Uh, with their whole social yeah. media outburst, it's getting kind of ridiculous. But I, I think there's a chance Miami can come back in this series. They're a very good team. Yeah. You know, they got here.
1: Yeah, they are, and they have they have a superstar. Where you know, I'm sorry, Toronto. To me, they don't have a superstar. Jonathan, and Dwayne Wade is known for big game. You know, you saw it every series he plays. It comes the game seven. Here comes here comes Dwayne Wade, and and that kid from Duke. What's his name? The uh, the rookie. What's his name? Uh, dang. I can't believe I didn't write this down. You know, oh, Justice Winslow. Right. Yeah, I mean, he he's capable of coming in and providing some some great minutes. And if he can get going, if they can somehow get him going, not scoring wise as much, just involved in the game, I think they'll they'll have a shot. But you're right, losing losing their big man really hurt. But Bosch coming back right now, I think would only distract the team. Really, I think it would. They would be worried more about his health and everything. and, and Plus, he's got to be rusty. You know, it's not like you could – you know, I, I'll give you an example. I'm a little bit of shape. I tried to – I thought I could outrun my old nephew that played football yesterday in a 50-yard dash. Well, I'm a little rusty. I barely can walk today now. So, I'm sure Chris Bosh comes off the bench and he goes up the court for a period. How do you think he's going to look?
3: Oh, I think he's going to look rusty. I think he's going to have a hard time with it. I mean, he, you know, and all athletes will say the same thing. There's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. Uh, and there's no way Box is in game shape right now. I mean, he's been sidelined for, for a while now. Um, you know, obviously he has the health issues with with, with his, the blood clots and everything to where he's not necessarily physically fit in, in that aspect because he's just trying to make sure he can walk around and be a little active and, and live. So I, I think as far as it goes with with, with Chris, I, I think, you know, he, and you know, I keep saying I think, but you know, I really believe that he does need to take this time off and make sure that he is 100% healthy for next year uh, because he's got four more years on this contract. He's definitely got to make sure he can play out that. Not only that, but make sure he can, you know, continue to live a, a good life. You know, he needs to put this whole let's play now in the back seat and make sure – he's ready to go all the way. You know, you cannot rush back from something like this. Now, do I, you know, is, is there going to be a situation where he might try and force a trade out of Miami? Possibly. You know, and, and the problem is that because of this injury, his trade value has gone down. So, at the end, of, you know, Kroposh needs to realize that he's stuck with Miami and needs to just listen to Pat Riley, who's got plenty of rings on his hands, you know, to be able to tell him, look, Chris, just sit out. Just just hold off. You know, I mean obviously you hate losing another prime year away, but you know, it that, it is what it is, Chris.
1: You're not gonna win anyway, Chris. I mean you you're not gonna win the final, you're not gonna win the East and you're probably you're definitely not gonna win the championship. So just heal up, man. I mean, go home, take an early vacation, but some sad news to report and football John. knew. I mean, remember the kid, Greg Bryant, that played for Notre Dame? He, he's now yeah. used to declared brain yeah. dead the day after he was shot in his car in South Florida. Man, that's that's some sad, tragic news right there.
3: Uh, definitely, it, it, it's a real shame what uh, what happened to Bryant. Um, obviously, you know, condolences to his family and everybody involved in that situation. Uh, uh, you know, they found. I had to bring you know, that up. I I just finding somebody in their car the way they did with him, and it's 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 tough, you know, and, and I wish nothing but the best for his family in a very, very, very tough situation. I could not imagine what they're going through.
4: There's some
1: tough news in Florida State right now. I mean, Mario Pender dismissed the electric battery again. Mm-hmm. Great job, Jimbo. Great job getting rid of this crap. So I know as a Florida State fan, you're disappointed it happened, Jonathan, but you got to be happy with your coach yep. for, for saying that's enough. You know? uh,
3: yeah, very disappointed that it happened. It obviously brings negative attention to, to the program. Um, I actually got to know Mario in high school. Uh, it's a real shame that the attention that happened. Now, there was the – thing with Mario was that's the you know, that's the kid who punctured his lung last year and hey, he had to take spring off to focus on because obviously when you have a punctured lung, school kinda comes second to trying to make sure you can live. Uh you know, so he, there was there was always going to be the question with him on whether or not he was actually going to be able to play at all this year and he's a redshirt senior. That was gonna be it. Um so the 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 roster crunch was coming, there was an idea that he was going to get medically DQ'd, if not academically DQ'd, uh going into the year. So losing him off the team, while it's it's not a a negative, it's definitely a negative that his dismissal brought this kind of negative attention to the school. But also Jimbo, and this is really a a policy, university policy. Uh, If you are charged with a felony, you're donezo uh, with Florida State. So it was good to see that there was no trying kickback or fight to keep him on the roster like you might see at some other schools. It was just get out of here, we're done. And that, that obviously um, is a positive and puts Jimbo in a, in a really good light.
1: And you're listening to Weigh In Sports Live, six seven one six five five six four. If you'd like to join in. We're going to talk about Nick Saban in a moment. Um, I've listened to him in a leader cast this past Friday, and we'll talk about what he did. But Jonathan, Old Miss is Hugh Freeze is stunned by uh, Laramie Tunsell's comments. People Miss there are going to investigate. Are you kissing me right now, Hugh Freeze? Jonathan, Hugh Freeze is the head coach at Mississippi, right? Old Miss. I mean, small town. Mm-hmm. Do you think Hugh Freeze knew that Tunsell was getting paid a little bit of money? Come on. I was shocked, and everyone else. Yeah, I'm sure you were shocked that he actually said that on TV. I'm shocked that. He, come on, I mean, Ole Miss. Uh, old Miss was already under investigation going into this. What do you think happened? Is Hugh Freeze lying? Is he just trying to protect his his school, his job? I think I think his job could be in jeopardy. Well,
3: here's the problem, you know, for Hugh Freeze to say he doesn't know. From what I gathered from these text messages and everything, he was having for, you know, these conversations with, by were where he was having with the a defense, an assist, an assistant on the defensive staff and then the assistant athletic director. You're gonna tell me Hugh Freeze don't know? Okay, if, if what was alleged to happen did happen, Hugh Freeze knew. There's no way he, he did not know this. You cannot tell me that you have no temperature on your athletic directors or on your on your D, uh, your assistant coaches. That that right there is a bold-faced lie. Uh, now, you know, here's the bigger issue with Tunzel. There has been rumors since his recruitment that Laramie Tunzel was getting paid to go to Ole Miss. That has been the thing for the longest time. And now those rumors have been validated by him saying so. You know, and I mean, with Ole Miss, I think there's, I think there really is a a, a culture of this at this point you know i've I've heard from numerous sources tied into a couple of different programs that Rashan Gary was offered money from Ole Miss during the recruitment he that that was part of their recruiting pitch was we'll pay for this and that and this and that you know so it, it really just it really catches me at a, at a wrong time with Ole Miss because you have all this coming on. I already knew about the Gary thing. Now you have this happening. There is now, to uh, as far as I can, I'm can concerned, there's a culture of this. This, hap- this has happened numerous times. It opens up all the doors for all the recruitment. How do they get this kid and that kid and this kid and that kid? Every time they get somebody from out of the state of Ole Miss or who did not grow up an Ole Miss fan, it makes see question, what's really going on there? You know, Treadwell and Nicondichie, I, I could really say I understand how they wound up there. Nicondichie's brother was there. Treadwell, had a, a, one of his best friends, was playing there. But all these other recruits are looking at him and shaking my head going, how did you get there? How did you wind up at this school? It, 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 this is definitely an institutional problem. That Ole Miss, And I think Ole Miss is going to face some severe sanctions. who frees Mike get the show cause and lose his job considering he was, he was the hot coach. Everybody wanted him at one point. Everybody thought he was leaving Ole Miss, and now he might get left out in the middle of the dirt. No,
1: it's because he was cheating, and it Alabama it, you know, won't even touch the players they're recruiting towards the end. They'll let off of them because they know that they cannot out-recruit Ole Miss. So I wonder why Nick Saban can't out-recruit Hugh Freeze. It's because the bag man's coming, baby, and they Ole Miss is now over Alabama. Um, I mean, they're a very talented football team. They're going to keep paying and paying and paying. We're going to bring Cuervo in. He's with us, and just. Um, but I'm telling you what, Ole Miss has been old piss long time, and here they come. All of a sudden, they're they're getting these players that they've come down between Bama, uh, Southern Cal, and Ole Miss, and all of a sudden, I mean, this is insane. And if your Hugh Freeze's... is what worries me is he's very good friends with Gus Malzahn, and the birds of a feather flock together. It kind of worries me a little bit.
4: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, Hugh Freeze, I, I told you from the start, you know I, I've always said this. I didn't trust the guy. Um, I think Ole Miss, I think they they pay players. I think a lot of people pay players. I mean, I think Auburn, Florida State, to the extent they do it, everybody gets a little bit. But Miss is when you go from being a nobody to – all of a sudden landing like the number 1 player at every position there could be a problem cuervo and cuervo welcome to the show my friend what do you think about this and uh what do you think is going to happen
0: huh. uh good afternoon well good evening to you guys it's still afternoon over here in socal um <laughs> you know i i i said this on the night of the draft and 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 when you know when it was just jonathan and i uh you know we talked about the the integrity of of Ole Miss as a as an institution, as a program, as a university, and you know, I, I think it's been going on for a while that uh, you know there's been some rumbles about you know how Ole Miss does business or whatever as far as recruiting kids and stuff like that, and and I think that Hugh Freeze's job is going to be, I think I think he's He's walking on eggshells. I'll just put it to you like that, guys. I really think that he's going to be walking on eggshells, and I think the next time something comes out about him or the program, um, of course, it's easy to make him the the scapegoat. And I think at that point, it's going to be it's going to be his you know his job. That's what it's going to cost.
1: Uh, I, I, think I think it's going to cost it now. I think it could cost it now. I mean, will make a comment like that. You're already under investigation. On TV, you know, if the NCAA once they want to, they can dig. They can start digging. They can't talk to Tunsel. I mean, he won't talk to him. But if you, who's if they're, already, they're not there, already That's what. Yeah, they 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 already were investigating at the time. I know that. I know, and mm-hmm. they were wrapping it up, and now this happens. I mean, it's like you're about to close the book, and all of a sudden you you turn the page and you see a naked woman. You're like, whoa! Let me hustle. hold on a minute. That's that's what happened. You know, I mean Tunzel just left the bag the bag man out of the bag really is what he did. And the text messages you can always go to those coaches, text messages guys, and get those. They don't need Tunzel anymore. They can go directly and and get phone records and everything like that. But Ole Miss I think I mean they came out of nowhere. And I think it's Alabama, Nick Saban brings out of people. If you can't beat him, it, it, it better you got to cheat. I think Hugh Freeze is going to be the scapegoat. Think about it, Cuervo. Who's the only mm-hmm. team to beat Alabama back-to-back years? You, you, know, you don't think they play ears right now? Hey, you better you better get rid of this team. You better do something right now. And he he's just as guilty as they are. But he's tired of losing. What do you think?
0: Um. Well, I mean, are you are you implying that, that he's got something to do with? this whole situation. No, I mean, you just, no, he's probably a cheerleader on the side. saying, let's go NCAA. Let's see
1: the You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's, he's involved in that guy getting paid or, or anything like that, but I think he, you know, I bet he's probably a because saving, you got to admit, he's the best recruiter in the game. And when he's losing some of the top recruits in the nation to the old pit, I mean, you know that's got to get under his skin. And he knows how to do it. I'm sure, Saban, I'm sure Nick Saban knows how he gets some of these players too. Uh, both of them are, I mean, the, the problem is they've been them because he does the exact same thing.
0: Mhm. Oh yeah, and, and I mean we can we can talk about all the major programs in college football and how they do things. And um, I mean, I think we've we've said it before. Uh, I think that you know all these programs that are successful. They they don't do it hundred percent squeaky clean. Let let's let's just call a spade a spade, guys. Uh none of these programs are hundred percent clean. And if they are, um then they're not as successful as the you know, LSU and and, and, and Alabama and, and Ohio State and Florida State, you know, and all those programs. Well, there there are programs that probably do things quote unquote the right way and they're squeaky clean. I'm telling you they those are the, the seven and five and the maybe the eight and four teams that are that are doing things yep. the way you're supposed to.
1: Well, I mean, you see Florida State, they've been good all the time, so well they have a good couple of years, nobody cares. Um, Auburn, we know mm-hmm. every three years, out of nowhere, it's okay. You know, the camp besides the camp do thing, everybody thing. But you know, you they're good. But when old miss comes out and and uh and they're they're getting players like this and they're they're beating Alabama. I mean Kim is one of the biggest freaks I've ever seen, you know. I mean, how do they get him there? I know Josh says he sees how they can do it. I don't. It's Ole miss. Hugh Freeze I just don't understand it. But that's what gets your eye. When when anything jumps off the radar at you. If if uh if so let me give you a team right here. If uh Wisconsin runs the table and goes undefeated this year. or uh, Purdue or somebody like Oklahoma State runs the table and wins the championship. Something happened. I mean, it's not like that they're good consistently. All of a sudden they, they just cheated and something happened, maybe got a couple of players, something's going on under the table. That gets your attention. Ole Miss, regardless, they haven't won an SEC championship. They haven't played for the SEC championship. They haven't won a national championship. But what they've done is two things: they have taken recruits away from Alabama, and they have
3: beaten Alabama.
1: That's a no-no, Jonathan. You don't, you don't do that to Nick Saban and live to tell about
3: it. <laughs> no, you're 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 right. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that that's kind of their downfall here. Don't think you know Saban wasn't one of the guys who's like, hey, you know, nudge in the NCAA, hey, you might want to take a look at what's going on over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it happened uh, numerous times. So, hey. Looking at it, you know, unless you're in a recruiting hotbed, so unless you're in, like, Texas or California or Florida, where there's a lot of recruits. You just have kids staying home. Um, uh, you Georgia's know, if, if you bed, have – uh, well, none of their kids stay home. Uh, if, you're, if you're able to keep your talent home, and, and these are kids that grew up with your program, they grew up loving your program, there's a difference. You know, when UCF – got really good. And when USS got good for a couple of years, it wasn't, oh, what are they doing wrong? It was, well, look, they're pulling a bunch of three stars out of the state of Florida. You know, three stars in Florida are kind of better than three stars from Nebraska. So, yeah, then you're going to see, obviously, these guys start to succeed. But with all this, they're not in a recruiting hotbed. They're having to pull from other states. And that, I think, is what set off Red Flag. You know, there's a lot of these programs can stay local Uh, Alabama has a very good recruiting base in all reality. A lot of good players come out of Alabama. So whenever Alabama or Auburn, you know, is pulling kids or, you know, they come out of nowhere and start recruiting really well in their their own state, you know, mainly, well, obviously there's a correlation there. With Ole Miss, there was no correlation. I couldn't sit there and say, oh, look, they pulled 15 kids out of their own state and they're contributing. No, they're pulling 10 kids from out of state that are contributing. The 15 kids in state are just a show. So I I think that's where – Uh, a lot of the issue lies and and where a lot of people, the flag goes up and they start looking, you know, wait, what's going on with this program? You know, obviously, some teams just catch fire and have really good years. Iowa last year, you know, they just caught fire, got lucky, and had a good year. You know, but for the majority of the fact...
1: Well, Iowa didn't play anybody either, so... don't. well,
3: I... Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that's obviously part of, of the equation, but still, you know, winning 12 games, you did something right. Boise State, you know, when Boise State didn't just all of a sudden go, get good, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief for you know, most of the people in the country, uh, Boise State had actually, you know, been pretty good at Division II level, and they've just been pretty good at recruiting. We don't do anything illegal. I've seen them pull one kid out of my area um, with a three-star safety. You know, I mean, it, it, it will, You know, there are certain programs that just they get lucky, they get hot, they're in the right conference, they're in the right situations right here. But when you, all of a sudden a team like Ole Miss, like you were saying, all of a sudden they're boom, here they are. You go, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something more here that we're just not seeing. And then finally we see what happened. They were paying players to show up. And that became, you know, that's, that's a huge no-no with the NCAA, whether, you know, you agree with it personally or not. It's against the rules.
1: Yeah, and and guys, let's uh, – you know, I'm talking about an implosion. I I think the SEC West is going to be a lot weaker this year than in years past, if we can all admit that. You know, I think it's going to be a little weaker and more up for grabs with Auburn, Alabama, probably LSU. But A&M, dumpster fire, Texas A&M, Cuervo, lost a five-star quarterback. He he decommitted Wednesday – And one of the assistant coaches comes out on Twitter, again, a coach on Twitter, and he says, you know, I'm trying to find it, it just went off my screen, but what he said is, I feel sorry for people who never understand loyalty. I can't really even vibe with you. At the end of the day, trust is everything else is bullshit. That's what he says. And so not only did they lose that five-star quarterback, but they lost a five-star receiver that was looking at up. They lost a four-star receiver. And Cuervo, what, what? why do these coaches do that? I mean, these are kids you're dealing with. You go on a Twitter, you can't take it back. You bash a kid, really. I mean, we, we know who he's talking about, even though he said he wasn't talking about that kid. He was just talking in general. What is, what is Kevin Sumlin doing at Texas A&M to allow his coaches to be able to go on Twitter and do that. I mean, it's just terrible. Are you there, Cuervo? We lost Cuervo, Jonathan. Go ahead, buddy. Um,
3: Well, uh, <laughs> you know, that, there's a rule I live by as far as Twitter goes, and if it's, it's you're going to type something that you think there could be backlash to, don't hit send. Uh, you no, know, that's a you know, and not something like oh, I think this team's better than that you No, know, no, I mean something of that magnitude that he sent out. Obviously, there was going to be some negativity attached to it. Now, uh, I mean, remember when Kevin Sumlin was supposed to be an NFL coach? Anybody else remember that? You know, Johnny Manziel made Kevin Sumlin look pretty daggum good, now, don't he? So, I, I think that with Tech saying um, they they might be better off. I know they have to they had to wait a year because they didn't want to pay the huge buyout for this year. But unless A and M has a an amazing year, Kevin Sumlin's getting fired at the end of this season. You know, when, when your coaching staff doesn't have the wherewithal to think, wait a minute, this could impact recruiting negatively because without naming names, I'm essentially just lumping all these kids together. You know, that's what he wound up. doing. And a lot of kids felt alienated after that.
1: And plus, A and M, Jonathan, let's. What is what has Kevin Sumlin done to improve the defense? Yeah, he made a hire, but that team's soft. They can't run the football in the SEC. They can't play defense and stop the run. So, EMM smoke and mirrors, really. That's what they are. They're they're a smoke mm-hmm. and mirror football team with an overrated head coach. And and I don't care how many five star quarterbacks you get, they don't stay. They don't they don't pan out. Manziel was just uh a perfect storm kind of like cam newton He didn't see it coming you know it just came out of nowhere he got lucky and all of a sudden kevin sumlin's the best football coach in america well kevin sumlin can't hold jimbo fisher gus malvon people like that's jock so what makes you think that he's going to be able to stay at Texas bay and m i think you're right johnson i Unless he wins the SEC this year, I mean SEC West, I, I I can still see what seven and five. You think six and six type year. I think I think I think they play UCLA the first game of the season. I think I think he's gone. I don't think you can do that, man. I don't think you can lose control of your program like that and just have the talent they have and not produce. A&M's a lucrative job, Jonathan. I mean, a lot of coaches
3: would kill to have that job, with me. They would. It's a great recruiting hotbed. Uh, it, it's it's an SEC school, which obviously has its own prestige, uh, no matter how you feel about that conference. You know, a- a- A&M is a great location for any coach. And from the look of it, someone's going to botch it. And the unfortunate reality is they could set that program back a couple years. You know, and this is a program that we all thought was going to be on the rise. You know, after Johnny Manziel, and they had they had that hot start the year after, and it just all came crashing down. And I, I, I honestly, looking at it, you know, you're looking for warning signs. You're sitting there going, "Whoa, you know, what led us to believe?" And you're like, "Well, there was really nothing there that said this was going to happen." You know, so you know the whole. It was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I agree. I think it was all smoke and mirrors. The more you look at it, the more the more you sit there and question that what they were actually good because they never outside of Johnny Manziel, they haven't been good. They haven't been able to retain talent. They haven't been putting talent in the pros. You know, and, and what we have noticed is that there has been an issue with some of their players as far as having control over themselves. You know, we've had those issues with, uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans and and Johnny Manziel's pros where you've seen maturity issues. You know, you've seen the issues with uh, the offensive linemen where everybody said they were so good, blah, 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 and they haven't really been that good. So I, I think that there is something there to the fact that that system is all flash, it's all smoke and mirrors, it makes everybody look better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work. And defensively, nothing's worked. And this, is, this defensively, they, they have not been good. They have Miles Garrett, who is insanely talented. There's no doubt about it, and nothing else. Yep,
1: you're right. Jonathan, is there something – is your TV
3: on or something? No, I have people talking in the background.
1: Okay. They're gone okay. now. I thought it was the TV. Yeah, knock them out, man, knock them out. But, you know, over a 12-game season, you can't – if you can't run the football or stop the run, you're not. You, you're going to win some games because you're hot that day. You know, you got some good athletes. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to beat the LSU teams, Auburn, Alabama teams that are physical at the point of attack. That's where they struggle. If I had Miles Garrett on my team, nobody would get a point. That's, that's how good that guy is. But let's look at the mm-hmm. list of top 25 coaches. Can you tell me? You tell me if they're overrated or underrated, okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, twenty-five, Bobby Petrino, Louisville. As much as I don't like that man, that makes sense. Rich Rodriguez,
3: twenty-four. Uh, no, he can. I. He can only play in certain no. conferences.
1: Yeah, Kyle Whittingham, twenty-three. I kind of agree with that.
3: Maybe yeah, no problem higher. with
1: that. Brett Bielema, twenty-two.
3: I don't, I don't. Honestly, I don't. I don't see an issue with that. I think he's really. I think he really is building yeah, something. Yeah, you just,
1: You just tell me. You just tell me when you hear an issue. Twenty-one, mm-hmm.
4: three. Twenty, mm. Mike
1: Gundy. You stop me in my tracks when you hear something. Nineteen, mm-hmm. Kurt France, Iowa.
4: Uh, uh, Eighteen, uh, uh, Mark Reed. Uh, uh, uh,
1: uh. Kurt France is a no. He went all the way from 36 to 19th from last year. No. I'm with no, you, one I year doesn't make no. him. Yeah, no. Come on. Yeah, now. I'm I'm with you. You you, you went 12 and 2 you got skull drug by Stanford and you played a weak schedule now. My rigged 18. I can okay. dig it. Mhm. I can dig that. Um Bill Snyder 17, Kansas State. Okay. Here's where I have a problem, right here. How in the world are you going to put Mark Helfrich at 16 over Bill Snyder or Mark Rick?
4: Oh
3: no 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 no! Mark Helprich is no 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 no! He's been a poor recruiter, and it's not like he's. I mean, he he was handed Chip his playbook and said, "Hey, just just run this. It'll continue to work."
1: And Jason Humphrey's in the studio. Jason, if you'd like to chime in on the coaching rankings here, um, Mark Helfrich is 16th ahead of Bill Snyder. I mean, here's Jason. We're going to get Jason on right here. So bear with me while I get him in here. Jason, welcome to the show, man. How you doing, buddy?
4: Good. I'm doing good, I guess. Um, It's on a Sunday afternoon for you to call in. Sure. What is well, this? Thank, hmm.
1: thank, thank thank you for uh supporting the show. What do you think about Helfrich being ranked sixteenth in America out of coaches? Uh
4: I think I think it's definitely a top twenty coach. Um uh, I think sixteen could be a little high. I I wanna put him at a top fifteen. Um I I know he has um inherited um should cut his playbook, but he's, he's done nine wins, ten wins seasons um, his first three years, and yeah, if you inherited a good playbook, yeah, you should have won. But it's you still got a good coaching, and not a bad coach will win nine or ten games. You know, if, if you put a on. Mark Rick up there. You you have to put Helper's up there.
1: But I couldn't put Helper ahead of Mark Rick though. I mean like No,
4: no, Mark, Mark, Mark Rick, Rick Rick's been doing it for a long time.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. what I what I'm saying. Fifty fifteen David Cutlet. I can I can that's live that. that. I mean that guy mm-hmm. coach job and then. Yeah. Cuervo's back on with me. Y'all stop me if I say a name in a ranking that you don't agree with. So whoever, just yell it out. All right, we're going through the top 25 coaches. And since Cuervo just joined me, let's start back at 25, Bobby Petrino, 24, Rich Rodriguez, 23, Kyle Whittingham, 22, Brett Bielema, 21, Hugh Freeze, 20, Mike Gundy, 19, Kurt Ferentz, 18, Mark Rick, 17, Bill Snyder, Sixteen, Mark Helfrich, fifteen Cutcliffe. Fourteen, Chris Peterson out of Washington. I can't mm-hmm. really argue. Uh thirteen, Gus Malzahn of Auburn.
4: <laughs> Went down from ten to
1: thirteen. I I think that's I think that's close to about right. I think Gus Malzahn's a very good coach and I think you're about to see that in the next two or three years. I I don't I think you're stupid if you fire Gus Malzahn. The um, team needs a quarterback, and once they once they get it, the sky's the limit. Brian Kelly at 12. I think Brian Kelly's a better coach than a number 12. I'm going to stop it right there, and I'm going to say Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Does anybody agree with that, disagree? Cuervo, what do you think about Brian Kelly ranked number 12th in the nation? I think he's a lot better than that.
0: I think that sounds about right. Um,
4: He's, he's, well, he's very close you? to the top
1: ten. <laughs> 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 well, Jonathan, what do you think? Brian Kelly. I said, I said who asked you anyway?
3: <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I could make the case Brian Kelly is the top ten coach. I think what he's done at Notre Dame is impressive. Uh, obviously, this year would be a big year to find out really what he is. Uh, Because there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding them this year uh, with with a talented quarterback and with a returning. So I think this is a make or break year for um, uh, Brian Kelly. Uh,
1: Jason, are you in
3: agreement with Brian Kelly at number 12?
4: Yeah, yeah. I I would assume Brian Kelly would be top 10, outside of the top 10, and 12 would be pretty good. All
1: right. Number 11, Art Bryles, Baylor. Okay, nobody's got a problem with that. Number 10, here's where I have a problem. Jim Harbaugh, number 10, I think he's way better than number 10, but I could
3: be wrong. Oh, clever. yeah. Oh, but yeah, way. He might far. be top five.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say he's a top five coach, and, and I think Mark yeah, Isles is overrated. He should be yeah. lower in the rankings.
1: Yep. Thank you, Cuervo. Man, I love you tonight in Southern California. That was exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Jason Humphrey. Jason Humphrey, you've seen Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. I mean, in Michigan. Look what he did in one year. I mean, I mean yeah, this he, guy is
4: a top five five coach. Look at what he did with Sanford. You met him in Sanford. And I, I, no one... Like, like the, the type of turnaround that he would do that at Michigan than the one that he is so far. So
1: here's the problem I have, guys. At number nine, they have David Shaw. I had a Jim Harbaugh, which Jim Harbaugh did a better job at Stanford, in my opinion. He went. And, I, I, he won a Super Bowl, didn't he? Or did he run her up in the Super Bowl twice? There? Uh, Long Bowl. He played. In, he played in two Super Bowls. Took Michigan from the the cellar. Uh, to the penthouse. I mean, Cuervo, is David Shaw better than Harbaugh? Absolutely not.
4: And
0: if you joke. notice, Jim Harbaugh, well, Stanford very slowly has declined. Ever since
4: mm-hmm. ever since
0: Andrew Love, who Jim Harbaugh recruited, um, left the school, what, three, four years ago? They, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but they've slowly – Gotten, yeah. talent-wise, they've, got, they've, they've gotten, you know, it, it's kind of fading away.
3: My problem yeah. with uh, Shaw being ahead of Harbaugh <laughs> is that Shaw took over for, Harbaugh built a program, I mean, we've got to remember, when Harbaugh took over, they had won one game.
4: Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs>
3: Harbaugh built yeah. Stanford to the heights they're at, and Shaw is, is another coach where he was handed keys and said, don't wreck this. So, no, I, you know, I really have a to, huge problem with this. Harbaugh
1: went to Southern Cal as a 41-point underdog, if I'm not mistaken, and beat them. I mean, 41 points. Jonathan, am in the ballpark? I was Mark just thinking about that. Right. in the 40s. Were yeah, it was a 41-point point
4: underdog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: they went on the road and beat Pete Carroll. Now, they didn't beat Sarkeesian. They didn't beat the old drunk that, that pulls his shirt off in the locker room. He ran Pete Carroll out of the Pac-12, okay, and and uh, he's at number 10. I'm just over here shaking my head. Number eight, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson. Um, can't really argue with that. I don't like the guy. I don't like idiot but, you know, yeah. Dabo Sweeney, you know, just, he's an Alabama guy. I, just, I don't like him, but I can't really argue. He's consistently – doing a good job at Clemson, and Jonathan, you're an ACC guy. You, you probably agree with that, don't you? I don't think he's better than Jim Harbaugh, but if you say he's the eighth-best coach in the country, you can't really argue with that too much.
3: I know. I, I agree. He's done a really good job of building Clemson uh, up and trying to maintain a high-level of success. Got a lot of respect for uh, for Dabo as a head coach right now.
1: And forgive me for my midget comment. I do like midgets. I don't like Dabo's uh, <laughs> team. Les Miles at seven. This is where I have a problem. Les Miles is not a top fifty coach, Squero. <laughs> um, yeah. He's an over Stop here at number it. Seven. Stop
0: it, Brian. Stop it.
1: He's not. He's
0: not. Stop.
1: He's a terrible coach. He's if, if somebody, if anybody with a brain cell had been at LSU for the last ten years, they'd have won seven national championships. But because of Les Miles is there, they won one. You think he's a what? seven
0: coach? I, yeah, I do. And, and, and you can't really – he ran into Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn, you know I mean? Like, well, Malzahn for one year. But, you know, Saban goes – because think about it. Before Saban was was back in college and at Bama, I mean, you know, LSU was running the SEC West. So, it, you know – Once he, once Saban came back, he's like, no, no, these, these are, these are my cookies. Like he took them from Les Miles and he hasn't gotten them back since. So Um, yeah, that, I think uh, what LSU does year in and year out kind of gets overlooked. I mean, as as strong as the SEC West is, I think they kind of get a little overlooked by, by the success that Bama has and, and what Auburn's had and, and even even you know what A and M has done. I mean the whole the whole division is is dominant. So, but I mean Les Miles. I mean he recruits some good talent. Yeah. I I really I, I don't I don't disagree with the top seven at all.
3: Well, I'm gonna
1: tell you somebody in the top twenty five is not there that I think should be, and y'all may laugh at me, but I think Dan Mullen is the top twenty five coach in the country. You gotta remember SCCMIS. where he's at. SEC bias. Okay, okay, okay. Number six, Jimbo Fisher out of Florida State. <laughs>
3: uh, obviously, I have a problem with that.
1: I know he should be about twenty. What do you think, Querbe? I don't even think you,
3: you talk
0: about a guy that's not top fifty. That's Jimbo.
3: You <laughs> <Paul, Paul>, <laughs> can <laughs> tell me. Both of you can I'm, you Jonathan. I'm messing
1: with you, Jonathan. <laughs> Jason, 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 is Jimbo Fisher overrated?
4: Um, uh, man, it's tough, 35.
1: Okay. Well, he, he does know how to cover up crimes in Tallahassee, I will tell you that.
4: So we'll have to do a couple things.
1: Uh, yeah. He's he, top five. I do you love that? He
4: Mark is
1: D'Antonio,
0: D'Antonio five. number
1: five. Mark D'Antonio, uh, number five. Ooh. Uh, no problem.
0: No way. No way. No way.
3: No problem. He's not that I, good, is he?
0: No, absolutely not. Uh-uh. I, mean, How you, I agree. You, you, they, they seriously have him ahead of Jim Harbaugh. They have him ahead of yeah. Les Miles. And they have him ahead of um, Gus. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think
4: it's a said thing.
0: Sonny Sonny and Fisher is very uh, overrated, it,
1: Sonny said Jonathan.
4: I got uh, well, something on D'Antonio Twin me. Sonny Dantone.
1: can go to hell. I don't
0: even know. Sonny you can Dantone. go to hell, Jonathan I think, said. I don't think D'Antonio <laughs> is better than Brian Kelly at Notre Dame.
1: No, he does more with less. He does more with less.
0: He's he a, a, a cur. He's a Kirk
1: Ferentz, whatever the guy from Iowa. That's who he is.
4: Yeah,
3: but I look at what Michigan State's uh, done the last five years. My bad, my bad, Jason. Go ahead.
4: I'm sorry. I, I think Antonio is a Big tan version of Mark Richt. What to do? Wins a lot of bargains, but not that many coming startups. Yeah, that's
3: a great comparison.
4: On one, one, one or two there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest game? D'Antonio compared, has won.
1: Probably Northwestern.
3: But well, maybe Ohio State last <laughs> year. I mean, yeah, yeah my, my yeah, thing no, with Antonio I mean. is, yeah, I mean my thing with Antonio is he tends to do more with less. He, they, they don't always get the five star or, or you know recruits. They don't get a lot of four stars. Yeah. So it always impresses me when a coach can take a bunch of three, two, and three star yeah. kids. And build something productive, and I think Antonio has done a good job of that.
4: Mm-hmm. Obviously,
3: winning something big has you know, has has weight. You know, I mean, what do we have? Maybe one, maybe two Big Ten championships. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, hit the knock on him is when it matters most. We haven't exactly won it.
1: Yeah, but I don't mind you saying he's a top five coach. But I have a problem when you say Jim Harbo. Jim Harbaugh is number ten. You know, like. That's where mm-hmm. that's where I have a problem. Like Jim Harbaugh Harbaugh probably top three in my opinion, not top five or top he could be top two. And let's go down the list. Number four, uh, this guy's consistent. Let's admit, Bob Stoops for Oklahoma, a big game boss. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll he'll choke. He'll choke a, a lot of games. I mean, he can lose by 60 points in a bowl game, Cuervo will still be regarded as the number four coach of all time in America right now. Come on. Choking Stoops
0: Bob. Stoops is better than less. Les. Stoops is better than Jimbo.
3: you got to be kidding me. He got gifted one national title. He got gifted one national title, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to overrate him from here until the rest of the yeah, earth. Yeah,
1: 13, 13 to 2. He won 13 to 2 in a national championship game against Florida State. hmm And uh <laughs> I oh, I remember this yeah, go
3: he, got right. yeah, right. he got gifted that yeah. He got gifted that. Mark Rick leads right before the championship game. We're playing without an offensive coordinator, without our top receiver. So of course you have an advantage. Congratulations, you, you you won the title. That's fine and dandy. How many times have they been in big bowl games and just busted? The, the USC game, fifty-five to nineteen. Mm-hmm. They got they got beat up by Tebow. They they got they got beat up by Clemson this year. Time and time again, they get And did they not robbed
1: win. Auburn. And they robbed Auburn. They shouldn't have been in that game that year.
4: Thank you. Because
1: of, because of the fraud, Bob Stoops. But here's the deal. He can win these games, guys, when it's the Sugar Bowl, when when he's playing Bama after they lost the SEC, and he comes in there with a flash-in-the-pan quarterback nobody's ever seen footage of. Uh, Bob Stoops, to me, is not a, a top-four coach in America. He would have had a lot more national championships under his belt had he been. You know, that, that's just my opinion. Gene Chizik has just as many national championships as you pick game, Bob, okay? That's, that's all I have to say on that Boom. one. Boom. Number three, Jason Humphrey. Jason Humphrey, Gary Patterson, number three. I, I think he's a little overrated there, number three. What do you think?
4: Well, yeah, from the TCU, um, he, he did a lot for um He did a lot when TCU was in the Mountain West. But not so much since they have came over to the Big 12. Yeah.
1: I know Sonny's a big uh, Gary Patterson fan, Cuervo, but I think three is a little too high for that man. What do you
0: think? Oh, you're way too high, way too. And and I'll disrespect TCU. I mean, they they've done some good things the past you know five, six, seven years, but. To say, again, I'm going back to Les. Like, to say he's better than Les, to say he's better, I'll even, I'll even, you know, defend Bob Stoops on this one, which I think is way too high. I don't even think, he,
3: well, I don't know. If, uh, no, if Gary, Gary owns
0: Bob.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, maybe in one game, but you look at the body of work, and I just, I don't see it with Gary. I don't. I mean what do you have the Dotson this year? Um in the past few years I, I I mean I can only maybe a handful of guys that I I would have to try and think about that he's produced yeah. into the into the NFL but you
3: know, I I, I well, d isn't that what makes him that much better though? Is that he's I mean they're having these good seasons without having NFL quality guys. He doesn't you know yeah, to me that's very impressive Well, think when, when he was in the mountain West, he had very a very good Utah and a very good boy state it was, like a three, it was a three you know three horse race there. He's in the big twelve, he's competing, and he competed very quickly. he won down here, and boom, they've taken off since then i th- I think t c u Gary Patterson, the job he's done is very he created a defense. You know, how many coaches nowadays can say they created a scheme? He created a defensive scheme. He's put guys to the pros, guys like Jerry Hughes and Dotson. You know, he's got some guys in there. You know, not a lot. And that's kind of my thing. He's coming to Texas to be able to grab kids out of Texas that nobody else would really look at and win with them. And it oh, wasn't just one point. game. Gary Patterson has a winning record against Bob Stoops. And, and that I think Patterson should be ranked ahead of Bob. Bob is at a juggernaut program. He's expected to win titles. Patterson built TCU. You know, the last time TCU was good, they had Dolph Walker.
1: And <laughs> number two, guys, you can't really argue here, Urban Meyer. I mean, Utah undefeated, uh, Sugar Bowl victory, national championships of Florida, national – I mean, not a national champion. Yeah, he did win a national championship last year at Ohio State. You can't mm. argue with success, Cuervo, and I can't really argue that Urban Meyer is number two right there.
0: Well, I mean, and I, I may never be allowed on the show again, but I am kind of a closet Urban Meyer fan. I just think the way the way he gets go, away. you want to talk, guy, you want to talk about a guy that gets the most out of players? I mean. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Was Ezekiel Elliott like a, a national, uh, you know, top 100 recruit? Or, I mean, did anybody ever hear of this kid prior to that to that Sugar Bowl game against Alabama? I mean, did anybody know who he was? Uh,
3: I don't think anybody paid attention.
0: It, 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 and that's what I'm saying. And he just all of a sudden it's like boom, you know, all these guys that that he recruits. It's it, it just like he turns everything. That he touches to gold almost, and and
1: yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. uh, we I I know we don't want to admit it, but I mean, you look at his record, you look at his right. body of work, and and it's there. It's it, you know he's everywhere he, he's been. been. I mean, he didn't lose a he lost one
1: Big Ten game in what two years. I mean, I know it's the Big Ten, but I mean, last year's team, he had his number one and number two quarterbacks go out two years ago. He wins a national championship. With a third-string quarterback, he beats Alabama. Mm-hmm. He beats a good Oregon team. I mean, at Utah, they could have been the best team in the country. They were undefeated. Jason, do you have any problem with Urban Meyer at number two?
4: No, with, with Urban Meyer, I'm assuming that is number one. You could really put Sam or Meyer number one, and most of the people can't argue that.
1: Yeah, I can argue that. I think Saban, by far, is the number one c- coach in the land. He does it with the best players, but you have to get the best players there. Um, never have a, They never have a quarterback at Alabama that's worth a crap, hardly. Yet, every year, they're right there in it. I mean, his worst season, seven and six, his first year at Alabama. After that, Cuervo, I mean, it's uh-huh. just – you look at the games Alabama's lost. I mean, a couple of Auburn um, – just some close games to LSU. They lost to A&M in that crazy game. They don't lose football games much, and when they do lose, it's it's barely losing. I have no problem with Nick Saban being number one in the country.
0: I mean, I, I mean, I don't either. And and you know, he they might not always have the number one recruiting class, but I mean, you know, he, he's yeah, they do again. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's. it's They're always at, like, top three, so. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you can't really argue. I mean, look at the – I mean, he's running out of fingers to put rings on. So, you know, you're going to have to start putting, you know, more than one ring on the same finger before we know it. But, um, I don't know. And maybe I missed it, but is Dabo Sweeney
4: on that list?
1: Number eight. Yeah, he was uh, on number eight. Let's – Let's look at some coaches left out of the top 25 real quick before we talk about Penn State and close that, because I'm about to go off. Uh, let's see. I just want to see where some coaches are. Guys, this is fun. I like doing stuff like this. It's it's is out on there? Good. Butch Jones, he's got to learn how to <laughs> win a game in the fourth quarter before he can get on.
4: <laughs>
1: but, but, is
4: Butch on there? What do you think? Come on,
1: Honestly, I'm going to tell you this, and I, I know y'all are, you're laughing, Jonathan, but after this year, Butch Jones will be in that top 25 list. He he is a top 25 coach. He's a good well, coach, I think. The- don't
0: get me wrong, Jonathan. I don't think he should be on the list right now, but I just didn't know if, if he was or not. <laughs> yeah, he,
3: after last year, he wasn't going to be on there. Come on, man. Yeah. Come
0: yeah. on. He had a good year last year. All right, Mark well, Stoops at Kentucky. Just 56. like LeBron, man, you gotta if you give change for a dollar, you gotta give him all four quarters.
4: Boom,
3: <laughs> <laughs> ding, coming in with the ringer. All
1: right. Here's a problem I have. Okay, here's a big problem I have. Mark Stoops is at Kentucky, right? He's he's won six, five or six games there, at um, Kentucky. He's fifty-six. They have Gary, or uh, excuse me, we Clay Helton at USC, fifty-one. He's five and four overall in his life. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm just looking through this list. Lovey wow. Smith, forty nine. Lovey Smith at forty nine. He's, He's never coached uh, college. I know. Uh Cliff Kingsbury, forty seven. Kirby Smart's forty six, never been a head coach. Uh Will Muschat, forty fourth. Mike Riley, forty third. Dana Holgerson twenty or forty second. James Franklin forty first. Um, let me see some names we can talk about Paul Johnson, 37 Todd Graham, 36 Larry oh, Fioria, 30, 35 Pat now. Fitzgerald, 34 Butch Jones, is 33, guys? Butch Jones, 33 Kevin Sumlin, 32 Dan Mullen, 31 Mike Leach, 30 Jim Moore, 29 Charlie Strong, 28 Are you kidding me? Charlie Strong.
4: Uh,
3: Charlie Weeks. Jim
1: McElwain, twenty seven. Jim McElwain twenty seven? That's, a, top joke. That's you, a joke.
3: Are you kidding me? Man. No.
1: Probably he's probably in the top twenty seven coaches that look like a horse, but he's, uh-huh. he's not yeah. number twenty seven in, in coaches. Bronco Mendenhall twenty six. So just to name a few guys, I mean I don't know, Lovey Smith, forty nine. <laughs> um, Wait, he Has not even coached again yet? I
0: don't
1: know he's forty. Neither is Kirby Smart, but he's forty six. He blows my mind. Dino B- Babers or Babers for uh, for Syracuse never coached a game either, but he's forty fifth. Well, no, he's Dino right was, was
3: the head coach at, ball, at Dino was the head coach at uh, at uh, at Bowling Illinois.
1: Okay, I thought he, he was at Eastern Illinois, but...
3: Yeah, no, he was at Bowling Green. I I respect Dino as a head coach. Uh, Lovey and Kirby, no. Yeah, those guys, no. No.
1: Okay, well, Mitch Jones will be on that list after he wins the... He'll be in the top 25 after he wins the East this year and plays Auburn in the SEC Championship only to fall by two touchdowns. He'll, be, he'll make that list. And
3: Auburn will lose to Florida State in the national championship. Game. And I'll
0: meet you in Atlanta for that game there, Tarvin. Fun ride. All right. That sounds fun.
1: good. That sounds good. All right, guys. Uh, let's go into a, a topic. Jason, you still with
4: us? Yes, I am. Brian, I got to bow go out ahead. before we yeah. hit
3: this topic. Why? Oh, uh, Mother's Day dinner's ready. Oh, I thought you, you didn't want to talk about Joe. No, well okay. that's family, but yeah, mother's day Mother's Day dinner's ready, so let me go ahead and be good to my mom. All right, buddy. You take care. You Thanks for joining
1: us. Of course. All right. Cuervo, I have you and Jason here with me and um I don't know if y'all been keeping up with the news with with uh Sunny press number one and, and we'll uh we'll get you in. I wanna make sure that you wanna come on in but the news, are you are you guys that following the news with Joe Paterno? Penn State, Sandusky, all the good stuff. Oh
4: yeah. I, I saw something uh, about um Sandusky told Pantonal that um about the um sexual assault long 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 ago, so
1: Yeah. Um all these Penn State people out there that think Joe Paterno's innocent, that he knew nothing, and Cuervo, I have a big problem. I hate to even talk about it because the guy's passed away. He can't defend himself. But this has been going on since, like, seventy, nineteen seventy-two, And Joe Paterno promoted the guy after he knew all of this was going on. And the guy, one of kids in '72 was attacked from behind in the bathrooms and taken to the ground. And Penn, Joe Paterno told him to drop it, drop the charges. And uh, Cuervo, do you think Joe Paterno's innocent in all this? And and the reason I'm asking you this, nobody said this. You won't hear ESPN. I think, honestly, in my heart of hearts, that Joe Paterno was involved with the children. Is why he never did anything with Sandusky. PM. I mean, am I off base here? Am I wrong for saying that i just i just I'm tired of hearing people defend this guy,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know if he he was involved as in he was like you know hands on but as far as having knowledge i mean how can, how can you how can you sit here and make the argument that he did not have any knowledge when all the point all the evidence points to well, you know it's been going it had been going on for thirty years. Joe Paterno was the head coach the whole time, and he you know like you said he promoted uh Sandusky to uh coordinator, whichever coordinator he was so to to sit here and try to to convince people that he had no knowledge i mean when you work with someone for that long you you know they're pretty much their whole life, their whole, you know, background. And, and you know just about everything about them. And, and for people to say, oh, you know, that's not possible, then, you know, they must be the type of people that work in a cubicle by themselves. And, you know, they don't have any type of interaction with coworkers. So, and, and, and in that well, business, you, you definitely interact. So, I don't know, I I really find it hard to believe, and all the evidence points to He had to have some sort of knowledge.
1: Well, well, here's an article on CBS. I'm going to read it real quick. It may take just a second. CNN reported Friday that Joe Paterno knew of a 15-year-old boy who was allegedly raped by Sandusky in a Penn State bathroom in 1971. The victim referred to as Victim A in the story says Sandusky came up behind him in a bathroom, wrestled him to the ground, and raped him. Mm -hmm. Victim A said he told his foster parents about the incident and his foster father told him to call a couple of high-ranking officials at Penn State. First of all, he should have went over there and put a bullet in his head. Victim A made the call and talked to two men who identified themselves as Jim and Joe. Victim A does not know who Jim was. but claims that Joe Joe was Penn State coach Joe Paterno, telling CNN, I've heard that voice a million times. According to Victim A, after telling the two men about what happened, they accused him of making the entire story up and told him they were going to call the authorities. Victim May was never interviewed by authorities during Sandusky's trial because he fell outside the statute of limitations, but he did receive a settlement from Penn State acknowledging him as one of Sandusky's victims. Another story, this one from NBC, reports that Joe Paterno wasn't the only coach who knew of Sandusky's crimes as far as back in the, the 70s, but that up to six Penn State assistants were aware Citing court documents and sources with information on the cases, the story reports that a former Penn State assistant witnessed an incident in the late 70s and three other assistants saw inappropriate conduct between Sandusky and young boys in the 90s. One of the assistants burst into a coach's meeting and said, you won't believe what I saw. Matt Sandusky, the adopted son of Jerry, who was molested as well, told NBC News, that he was informed by the investigators that a Penn State employee had witnessed him being raped. I mean, Jason, this is just horrible. I mean, it's, I'm tired of hearing people defend Joe Paterno and Penn State, saying he had no knowledge of this. Why do you think Joe Paterno would let this coach continue to to coach on his staff and be at his school knowing all this? Why do you I, think the reason I have, is? I
4: have no idea. And for for those people that say that Joe Paterno – had no idea that's, that's a -a cockable, that's, because you're a head football coach on the program, a big big time program, 70s, 80s, Penn State was going to National Athletic Games, you know everything that's going underneath your roof, and whatnot, Um, whatever happened to those kids That is sad, no matter how you, how you turn it, and whatnot, and uh like I said, I there's no doubt in my mind that Joe Paterno knew everything that was going on. And just didn't wanna say anything. And that is a cowardly act.
1: Yeah. Cuervo, I mean I thought you hung up because you were just about ready to put your head through a wall, but uh all these coaches knew about this, all the assistants. Why would Joe Paterno Allow Sandusky to stay on staff, promoting when he didn't even like him. Why would he allow this to happen? Mm. That's to you, Cuervo. Mm.
0: Sorry about that, Tarver. I was I was uh, getting a phone call. Say that one more time, please. What would
1: what would why would Joe Paterno allow that he had knowledge of it? All coaches knew about it. Why would he promote the guy? Why would he allow him to be on that team and the coaching staff? He didn't even like him. They didn't even get along. What is your reason that Joe Paterno would allow this to happen?
0: Well, because, I, and I and I don't know if, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Penn State was Paterno's dream job. Was it not, or was it just a job for him? I don't know but
1: that's all, he, the all time, he's been coached there since Jesus was on the earth.
4: Exactly.
0: And, and, well, back in the seventies, he had just taken the job, you know, recently. So my, my I guess my thing is, well, <clears throat> and if it was his first head coaching job, which I, I'm pretty sure it was, um, you know, you don't want to screw it up. And, and it, it's, it's a snowball effect and it's, and it's, it's, uh, unfortunate that, you know, head coaches are put in, you know, in a position where they are under so much pressure to win. And back in the 70s, you know, Penn State was a pretty well-known, uh, you know, institution in college football. They were, they were a national, um, you know, contender. But the point I'm making is, you know, he he was willing to sacrifice – you know, uh, the fact that he didn't get along with Sandusky, but what it all came down to was winning. And that's that's the only thing he was focused on. He was focused on winning, and he was focused on um, not having any type of negative attention. And, and, and is he wrong? Hell yeah, he's wrong. But when you're a head coach, that's how you're thinking. Like, I have to keep this train going. I want to win, and I want to be successful, and I want to – you know and i don't want any negative uh uh publicity so i'm just going to sweep everything under the rug and we're going to pretend like nothing happened and you know it, it'll probably be over and done with and here we are you know 30 40 years later and we're still talking about it
1: mm-hmm. how many lives were messed up i mean because of this guy if if paterno and i'm not saying i feel i'm not That He wasn't physically involved I can't prove that But there may be somebody that comes out We don't know But if he allowed it to happen Then he's just as guilty as Sandusky In my opinion Because I don't care how successful I wanted to be, Cuervo If I saw that happening You wouldn't have to worry about the police Or the authorities I would take matters into my own hands And and rid the guy off the earth immediately Um, I would not allow it and just sit there and ignore it because you're a pretty good defensive coordinator, and I want to keep my job. That you have to be the thickest human be, human being around to to allow that. I mean, Jason. I mean, w- would you allow it if you was making a million dollars a year, and that would be in jeopardy? Would you would you tell on somebody if you saw them raping a kid, or would you would you risk your job to protect that kid?
4: I w- I would I would have took. I would charge somebody um, a lot of it because it's it's there's a point of doing it some way and there's there's a fine line between doing it some the way that goes against every human belief and whatnot, but when it's your personal own beliefs, everybody listening to this show really agrees that sexual assault experience is the the greatest sin that you could ever have yeah
1: cuervo you're in the military if you if you walked into the shower one day and you saw one of your friends uh with a kid in the shower, what would you do <laughs>
4: that's
0: a that's a that's a hell of a question to ask but um it's a
1: dumb question isn't it because uh, you you would you would kill' them.
0: Well, yeah I mean, I would definitely break up the yeah, you know um, what i mean the yeah, you know the, I mean. <laughs> the activities going on I'd break it up, but you know mm-hmm. i mean but in yeah. nowadays, but nowadays it's it's allowed it's okay, you know what i mean like i I personally don't want to see that what you do in your own personal life is your business um but to to do that you know publicly and and for a lot to allow that 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 risk of other people to see it, uh, no. That 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 is definitely something that you shouldn't be doing. So, um, I mean of course I would but but, but think know, about them in time to well, go get around.
1: But think about it. Think about this guy, Fandusky. I mean you'd have to be I mean just think, if you were if you were like that, Cuero, just say you you probably wouldn't want anybody to know you were like that. If you were going to do that, you would do it somewhere hiding out. You'd do it. You'd do it in the shower of your own football team. I mean, how ballsy is that? That means that Sandusky knew Joe Paterno was okay with it. Nothing was going to happen. And, and the only way that can happen is if you hold something over that person. Like Sandusky had something on Paterno. Maybe Paterno didn't didn't do anything to the children physically, but he had something on Joe Paterno that Joe Paterno was afraid to fire him or afraid to, to to get the authorities involved, something he held over his head. Because I know you, Cuervo, from this, but I don't care how well I know you, you could be my best friend in the world. If I saw you doing that to a child, number one, you're not gonna be my best friend anymore. Number two, you're going to jail for the rest of your life. If you're lucky, you'll go to jail for the rest of your life.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the only way now now Cuervo if uh if you knew that that I've had 10 affairs on my wife and I was embezzling money or something, and maybe I would. I mean, I, I hope I still would, but there's something Sandusky had over Joe Paterno. Could you agree with that, maybe? I mean, there's
0: something he had over, holding
4: over mm-hmm. his head.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and that's a possibility, too. I mean, you know, there's always that, that, that blackmail situation where, uh, you know, there, there could be something where, it's kind of like go ahead, go ahead, snitch on me, I, I, and everybody's gonna know about A, B, and C. So I mean, there is that possibility. There, you know, who's to say that that there isn't a scenario like that for he, you know, he he was blackmailed for thirty years, forty years. That's it. and I
1: hate it. I, mean, I hate know. that he's dead. I hate that he's dead right now. That he can't defend himself. So I'm not gonna bash the man too much, but I'm gonna tell you this. The guy is as guilty as Sandusky if he knew what was going on. And like Jason said, everybody knew. Anybody with a brain cell knows he knew of the actions. I mean, it's, it's documented. Joe Paterno was told mm-hmm. on this. The redheaded guy ran in, ran into Joe Paterno's office. They they went over to his house and said, "Hey, I've just witnessed Sandusky in the showers." And Joe Paterno, you telling me he's not a powerful enough man to fire Sandusky immediately to remove him from the property? Yet the guy's still walking around on campus, still after this. This was in the. This was just a few years ago, guys. I mean, man, I just. I don't understand what's wrong with this world. But I, enough of this, okay? Y'all, you two are on yeah. right now. Before we get off here, we need to talk NBA real quick with you two. Um, Jason, who do you like in the East right now, and who do you like in the West?
4: Um, in the East, um the obvious is the Cavs, um and then the rest it really comes down to a bunch of scenarios. If if Gordon State could have survived Portland, um Portland could easily be up two one in that series. Um, if if they survive Portland and Curry comes back, Gordon State would be the favorite. Hey, Jason, then Jason then hold, on,
1: hold on just one second, Jason. Hold on. I think Sonny's hey. here, and Sonny wants to talk about Paterno. Sonny, you have a comment?
2: Hey. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at what, the the articles with all this going on, and, and I think we even talked about it on our show back in the day. I'm about ready to hop off this uh, transfer bus. Um, but we talked about this, that... I don't think anybody, I think, in their right mind believes that Joe Paterno was completely 100% innocent in this whole thing. I think it's a very simple fact that he knew exactly what was going on. And it does. Go, I think it does go to blackmail. You, you don't get away with doing something like this for as long as he, he did when unless somebody had something over that, he doesn't walk around Penn State without him knowing something about either paternal or the university and something very very big. That's a guy that has power, even though he's molesting kids, and he's the scum of the earth. But this guy has power over not just paternal, but the actual university itself. So that's the reason why he was walking around, because he had something on either both of them. And back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, and you remember... These kids that were coming forward, these are now grown grown men grown people now, so this stuff happened back in the seventies and and the early eighties when being weird sexually and stuff like that was brushed up underneath the rug this is and it was never talked about and I think I was typing everybody had that weird uncle and joe uh, Joe paterno he may not <laughs> have been the weird uncle, you know diddling the kids, but His brother, Jerry Sandusky, um, was one that did do it. And and that kind of stuff just wasn't talked about. Everybody knew what was going on, but no one said anything. No one called the cops, and they just let those kids deal in a silent shame for the rest of their lives until they can figure out how to deal with it. And that's what happened in that whole situation with Paterno. Paterno knew it. Everybody in that university knew it.
1: Paterno's just as guilty, right, Sonny? Is is Absolutely touch the child. Yep. I because if look, you have a he, chance he to looks, make a difference and you don't.
2: He looks like he crawled up underneath a rock. But you know, I don't think you know, I don't know if Joe Paterno did anything. I don't want to go to that point. But knowing no, I don't either. that Jerry Sandusky did, hell yeah. And not only that, he knew it and he kept promoting them. And depending on what you believe. Now, I believe they were friends. There's plenty of reports that say these guys hated each other. Simple fact of the matter is that if that's true, then he definitely had something on him. Because you don't keep someone you hate on your staff when you're Joe <laughs> Paterno and you're running that whole university. Okay? So that, so that, but back in the days, people have friends like that. And they're not like today's people like us. I I love you, Tarvin, but if you did that, I'd never talk to you again. I might even find a way to make sure you got hurt very, very bad somehow without anybody knowing it was me. I hope
1: you
2: would. I hope you would. That kind of thing. But, you know, that's the difference between the year 2000 and when this came up, 2010, right, 2012, somewhere in that. The difference between today's mentality with things like that compared back then to the 70s and now the 80s, I'm telling you right now, it's a totally different world from what's going on. People are more aware. Uh, we kind of... I guess as parents coddle our kids a little bit too much compared back to the 70s, where in the 70s someone said, hey, they did this to me, they would say, hey, get the hell out of here. They knew something was going on, but they, the kids didn't have credibility as back in the day as they do now, yeah. because now kids are a priority <laughs> instead of back in the 70s, they, and kids were just an accessory. So, you know, the priority now with kids and their feelings and everything else, all this crap starts coming out because they didn't uh, raise kids that way back in the day. And that's the reason why it's coming out. It's just a different day and age. And uh, Jerry Sandusky and all those guys, that don't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, and it's just
2: Cuervo and names that these guys felt,
1: these kids felt. Imagine, yep. you know, you're, nobody would believe you anyway and then all of a sudden you don't want to, you, you may not want to tell anybody, would you, Cuervo, if that
0: happened to you? I mean, I,
1: that would be something that would be hard to tell someone.
0: Are you kidding me? Not not in today's age. I mean, if, if I, even me, in, in the military, if I was to say, hey, my, you know, my an officer, you know, touched me over, you know how fast that would spread like wildfire with the way social media is and the way people uh, uh, communicate with each other with with cell phones. And back in the seventies, they didn't have cell phones. Okay. Hell you had to read the newspaper to find out the final score of, of, of a late night game. Now all all you got to do is hit that Twitter button and boom, it's there. Or the ESPN app or the Fox sports app or whatever you use to, Follow uh, scores of games, and you know, find out. Who, you didn't have to wait till the next day to find out who won. It, it's kind of like, and, and and it reminds me of when when Sonny uh, interviewed Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. He he talked about it. He said, you know, you either had to stay up late, or you had to wait until the paper came out the next day to find out who won the Sunday night game, or you know, who won the late the, the late afternoon games if you were busy doing something else. Now. All you do is you you know you hit the NFL button, boom, everything's there for you to see. Something like that was to happen, guys. The, the whole damn world would know within five minutes, all right. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you really want that backlash and you want that that um you know that 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 information getting out about something that happened to you, because people nowadays you know it, it's it's a world of gossip, guys and it's so easy to hit that send button on Facebook and Twitter and all the yep. other different types of social media, and that's how fast it happens. I mean, you're getting phone calls 30 seconds later. Hey, what's this about, you know, hey, that that uh, you know this happened to you? Just talk to me. What's going on? Whoa, how did you find out? Oh, well, you posted it. Uh, I saw it.
1: Sorry, Sonny. And I had even to, had to you're phone, phone calls. Calls, Sonny. It's, I'm getting a lot of... Bad. Sonny's on the train or something That's what's causing the noise But yeah Sonny said that if he knew I did that He would have never talk to me again or He may even find somebody to hurt me some way and That's right I mean you know people cheat On their spouses they're bad They get divorced it's not good Things happen people aren't good In general but we all do bad things And we're not perfect but When you, when you hurt women When you hurt children When you hurt others you're just Scum I mean that's that's the way yeah. I look at you. I don't associate myself with anybody that would hurt a child mm-hmm. or hit a woman. I'm sorry. I mean, those, those two things right there, or even hitting a child too, like you know, abusing a child, abusing a woman, anything like that. You're you're dead to me, and and I wish you dead, and I will probably have you killed or something. You know. Anything else is fine. Yeah. I just hit home because I think of just how sick Sandusky is. I, I mean, that's, he's so sick in prison right now, he's probably enjoying getting raped. I mean, that's how sick this guy is. I mean, I, people like that should be removed from population, Cuervo. And it's like taxpayers shouldn't have to pay their, their way. They should be they should be tied up somewhere and just left, left to die, in my opinion. I I have no respect for anything he stands for. Anything for Penn State, and, I, and that you know, football is not bigger than than a kid's life. If if one kid could have been saved through that entire process, everything Penn State accomplished in the 70s until now, it had it been just wiped away. It'd have been worth it. Wouldn't you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and there is a place for people like that. It's called prison. You know, it's called federal
4: mm-hmm.
0: penitentiary. or You know, it's it's called it's called the you know the black hole. You know, whatever you want to call it. There, there's a place for those guys and unfortunately mm-hmm. it doesn't always work out to where they do serve life people get off on a technicality or they get off on you know something something silly and you know it just kind of completely uh discredits the 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 situation at hand and that's what i that's what irks me about the left of the law is you know people can get off on technicalities so Easily, and it kind of just takes away from the whole situation. And in this
4: situation, yeah, I'm not saying it Ma-
0: happened with this situation, but th- I'm sure there's someone out there that has gotten off on a technicality, to, yeah. you know, after doing something oh, yeah. sickening as that. And McQueery, you know, the one that walked in on the
1: shower and left and then went home and told his uh-huh. dad, I mean, he's guilty too. I mean, stop it right then and there you mm-hmm. your trapped you know, I don't care who you are, you can break that up. It may freak you out. It may stun you. But, I mean, my first reaction, Cuervo, would be, you know, you're either the kind of person that you, you jump in or you jump out, but something like that, everybody should be programmed to stop that. That should be programmed into well, any normal human being.
0: Yeah. If it was me, I, if someone's getting a kick in the face. That's that's what I would do. Oh,
4: uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I
1: mean, <laughs> I don't know, but it's just it just bothers me, and the fact that people, Penn State fans that are loyal, they want their rings, they they want their tradition, they all oh, Joe Paterno's innocent, blah blah blah. But we'll move on real mm-hmm. quick. Um, looks like to me, guys, and y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I think Cleveland, like Jason said, in the East, but Cuervo and Golden State win the West without Curry. No. I don't think so. Can they win? Uh, will, will will they win it with Curry if he comes back?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, as much as uh, <clears throat> as much as I've been saying, you know, San Antonio is going to get to the finals. I mean, you know, I think that's more in spite of Golden State. I I just don't want to see them get to the finals, but I think they will. I think they will. And yeah. you know, I I I think I think Golden State still is. Very good team without Curry, which is why I don't think he's the MVP of the league. But you know, I don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't get a vote, so it doesn't matter do, what do I do. Do you think.
1: notice the quickness of Golden State? How much faster they played than most teams. I mean, that's that's when I watch them play. It's just it's gonna be so hard to beat them in a seven game series. I mean, because yeah. of how fast they how fast they play, how good they are shooting the ball, and they're like you said, they lose the MVP of the league probably, and they don't miss a beat really as much. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan, you leave him off the Bulls back in the day, they're a 500 team. It's probably worse than that. You take Kobe off the Lakers during the championship run. You take LeBron off Cleveland right now. Cleveland's Atlanta. That's about what they are. So Curry being removed from this team has not really hurt them. I mean, I, I predict them to lose a game against Portland. I mean, even with Curry. I would have them. I would have losing the game, Sonny. I mean, what, what do you see when you see Golden
2: State right now? I mean, I don't see them missing too much. Curry being gone. Well, I think they are missing a lot, but the only problem is, is they're playing Portland, okay? And and I love Damian Lillard. I know a lot about that guy because uh, his brother played indoor football, so I've been kind of watching him throughout his career. That having been said, I mean, Golden State and Portland, come on, this that, that that's a joke. It, it's almost like Cleveland beating up on Atlanta, sweeping them right out of the playoffs. <laughs> you know, th- this in reality, if Stephen would be there, this would not even this would be a sweep. I think that having been said, without them, uh, they're going to win this series. They might uh, they might lose, you know, two games. Who knows? That's the difference, though. As soon as they step on the court, and they're going to go against the Thunder or the the Spurs, and I have the, I I didn't. Think Golden State could win the championship with Curry going up against Oklahoma City. So, that being said, without him, I definitely don't think they're going to win the championship if he doesn't come back. Um, sorry, so, sorry. Th-
1: are, are you still thinking that Oklahoma City beats San Antonio?
2: I, well, yeah, no, it's two games to one. So you know, I you know they played nine. I'm about ready to. I just sat down in the chair. I'm turning on the TV as we speak, and I'm gonna watch this one um, because I've actually been looking forward to this one all day. Um, I think this is gonna be a good one. I think whoever wins this one, obviously, is gonna is, is I, well. If San Antonio wins it, I think it's definitely gonna be over, which I don't want it to be. But I have a feeling. The Oklahoma City. This is in Oklahoma City by the way too so um, that's sitting pretty for them as well and if they can't win this game at home, I don't think they deserve to be in the championship game against yeah. whoever it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I think Oklahoma City wins tonight. Cuervo, they're a two-point favorite now and it's a, it's a must win. I mean this this is a must win. If they lose, it's over. I don't know. It's hard to predict. I, I thought game three was a the game. They If they could take that, it would be different but now in Game Four, San Antonio realizes how important this game is, Cuervo. And when your team like Popovich and all those veterans, they realize that they win tonight. It's going to be over in San Antonio in Game Six, and they can get some rest. What do you or Game Five? What do you think? Do you think San Antonio wins tonight or OKC? I,
0: I think uh, I could I can see Oklahoma City winning. I mean I I. I I really think that. And <clears throat> I think that the mistake that I can see Pop doing is trying to change it up a little too much. Right now the hot hand for for the Spurs is LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously. And, and what Pop's got to be careful about is not trying to um, implement Duncan or West too much because you've got to keep your hot hand on the court. And, you know, I mean, aside from, you know, the obvious rest periods and stuff like that, I mean, if You know, Aldridge with the high hand. You got to keep riding that thing until he cools off, in my opinion. So, with that being said, I, you know, what does Oklahoma City do to try and throw this guy down? I mean, I don't know what – I thought – I figured maybe Serge Ibaka would be doing a better job on it defensively, but it doesn't seem to be working. So, like, what else can Oklahoma City do? What is What is your backup plan to try and stop him? You know that—that's my
1: well, I think. Uh, I think Oklahoma City is going to struggle because of their bench. But Sonny, that means that Westbrook or Durant, somebody's going to have to fill it up and get hot tonight to win. I don't think they can win playing like they did game one or three. I just—I just don't think they can do it. They're going to have to have somebody else step up and help these guys out because Westbrook's going to fire him up. If he's over thirty, he's going to shoot thirty more. Somebody has to yep. step up and, and and help this team out.
2: And that being said, they're at home, so that's a good place for them to start. I mean, if you're going to kind of introduce someone into scoring, it might as well be at home instead of on the road. You know, they get the fans up on top of it, and they're like, wow, you got another guy that's actually going to take that step up. But, you, you, you know, these two guys, they should be able to get this job done against this team, okay, even though it's San Antonio. You know, San Antonio, they're so damn good they may not even put their guy out there guys that need to play in in order to win. They'll figure out a way to win. That's why pop is so great. Um, But I, -hmm. the the thing is, is that I, the Spurs will win this thing if they slow this down, but if they're going to run up and down the court, you know, Oklahoma City is gonna is gonna win this game, and that's what they got to do. They got to find out what they can do well, and find out what what it takes to win, and do that um, instead of playing. The Spurs are so good; they they mentally slow you down, and that's you know. There's a lot of things besides the physical play that you've got to deal with with the Spurs as well. You got the mental portion of Popovich, quite possibly one of the best coaches to ever coach, and yes, and I even said it, one of the best coaches to ever coach this game game, at just doing what he does best, which is pick apart their opponent and figure out what it takes to win.
1: Yep. Well, guys, it's been fun. I'm going to have to cut this show. We're about eight minutes from the end, but I need to cut it early. Thank you all for joining us. You can also catch us on ultimatesportstalk.com. You can listen to our episodes are brought there. Sunny guys, I'm sorry you had to join us late and everything. I wish we could get it all, but maybe we can get a show on Saturday or Sunday or something but or next week or maybe during the week we can get something this week. And then Sounds talk good. about these playoffs. But guys, yep. take care. Everybody have a great week and we'll see you shortly. All
4: right.
1: take care, Tarvin. Thanks.